to As Told Here, conversations and stories shared in the public interest in Studio W at WPAA-TV and Community Media Center. As Told Here brings community media to where you are. Bruce Conroy and I am talking tonight on Community Conversation to Stephanie Thomas, who's running for Secretary of State. For, I'm going to start off with what made you want to run for Secretary of State. I know you ran, and you did pretty well when you ran for rep in Norwalk. I did. Um, interestingly, I ran in 2018 and lost by a couple of hundred votes, but I had gotten into that race uh, really late uh, with no campaign experience mm-hmm. and the little knowledge of how the system works. And the reason I'm running for Secretary of the State, I have many, but one of them is I really believe what I learned when I was campaigning in 2018 is that Many people are tired of politics as usual. They find it difficult to assess our democracy. Um, They don't know how or they lose faith in the people they voted for. And I think the next secretary of the state has a real opportunity to engage with people versus, you know, just legislators like me, etc., but to really go into the community, speak with everyone from town clerks to registrars of voters, but also chambers of commerce, small business development centers, advocacy groups. I really feel that the electorate, if you will, has lost touch with how to engage with government. And I think that is part of the reason we're seeing such distrust and apathy. When it comes to early voting, mm-hmm. is my favorite one, by yeah. the way, early yeah. voting. Because, <laughs> you know, I, because I personally get called away for business yeah. and I have to like, like that. Yes. Being able to vote early would be great. You have a vision for early voting? I think it's really important. It's actually part of the reason I started on this entire government journey, because my predecessor in the legislature had voted against early voting three times. And one night I had too much time um, Googling, and I realized (laughs) that. And that is actually what encouraged me to run for office in the first place. It's uh, one of the primary reasons I'm sitting in the seat I'm in. I vice chair the Government Administration and Elections Committee. I was very invested in making sure the constitutional question got onto the ballot this year. And I'm also working very hard uh, to make sure people are educated that it will be on the ballot so that if it is voted down, it is because people did that intentionally Mm -hmm. based on information they have versus like happened in 2014, they got to the polls and just didn't know what the question meant. It was a very confusing question. It was the first elections I voted in when I moved to Connecticut. No information came to me to explain it. I left it blank because I didn't understand what it meant. And I think many other people did too. If I were elected as secretary, I would um, definitely engage all of our local um, elected uh, or appointed team who have to implement our elections and really talk with them about what makes sense. Um, 
Secretary Merrill, last time she testified on this, had recommended a three-day early window. I know my town uh, town clerk recommends a little longer. Um, some people want to go very long, and I think that's all data we have to look at and come up with something that works for Connecticut. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. And we know that Connecticut doesn't always like to be the first in the charge. It's tricky here because every town is different. Like my town, we have full-time staff, but there are towns next door who have part-time. So we have to do something that is fair or if we are requiring a longer window than every town could adopt, we have to fund that. Right. And being the Secretary of State, it's not like being a Secretary. Connecticut is a small state, but we have no county governments. So the Secretary of State has to deal with all 169 yes. municipalities. Yes. I mean, that's a lot of work. It's a lot. As opposed to counties. Exactly. It, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it is unique and it's challenging. And I think, you know, that's why it has to be a thoughtful decision. And I'm glad we are doing this in two stages. There was a lot of debate last year saying we can't change the Constitution until we know what's coming. And it could take a longer time to figure out what's coming. So there's no reason we can't move down parallel tracks, vote yes on the ballot referendum, and then still take time to figure out what makes sense. True, true. You know that the big question last time was election fraud, which I have my own opinions on it. Denise Merrill, I thought, and her organization did a great job. Mm-hmm. And uh, is there any place you get better? I'm hopeful there would not be a new pandemic. (laughs) It's really easy to look back and criticize. Two years ago, we were facing something that no one had faced before. And I think they did an outstanding job, not only in the secretary's office, but all the day-to-day staff in the town clerks, Mm -hmm. registrars. They were working around the clock, making sure, you know, and they were afraid for their safety too, um, you know, but they were frontline workers in a very real way. There was one mailing snafu with the mailhouse that was hired, but I mean, if anyone has ever been in any business where you hired a vendor and something didn't go wrong, right. kudos to you. <laughs> you know, that's yeah, let us know who it, it is. happens. <laughs> exactly. Then you are very fortunate. I thought they did a good job. Um, and uh, yeah, nothing comes to mind in terms of improvement other than one thing I talk about a lot is just educating people. Now, They did have funding from the federal government to educate and mail out ballot applications, and that's fine, but I think we can still do better on the website. Just, I always feel like the language is for people who work in the system, and if you're just the lay person who maybe even doesn't vote every year, it can be confusing. The site is pretty transparent, but it's also some of these forms are only available in English and Spanish. And I think we could broaden some of the languages as well. Because there are a lot of there, are. Know, there are a lot of different nationalities that come to Connecticut here and work because it's a great place. For me, it's a great place to work and live. Yes, absolutely. And a lot of other people think the same. <laughs> Many people think the same. How about the drop boxes? Sure, you must know, right, that Wallingford was the last town to take his drop box from I being think locked up. I do up. remember that. Yeah. Yes, he locked yeah. it up inside town hall and wouldn't let it out oh, until Denise Merrill threatened him. Well, or my, excuse me, cautioned him. 
in my part of the state, we loved our drop boxes oh, yeah. so much. It's funny. I was out door knocking during that time for my campaign, and, you know, I would go to the doors. Some people were elderly, um, but all ages. And I would say, like, oh, are you aware of the Dropbox or that you can vote by absentee if you're fearful? Almost everyone said they were going to go to the polls, but they all added, but isn't it fabulous that I have the choice? And they said, because who knows, I may change my mind later. Because no one knew how this was all going to evolve. Um, I think choice is what people want. I also spoke to a lot of people who... Um, you know, we're grateful because like one woman I remember, she was saying she cares for her mother and she usually tries to get her to the polls, but it doesn't always work because her mother likes to <laughs> vote in person. Right. Um, but sometimes she's not well enough, etc. but they don't know until the last minute. So she said, my mother was so happy. She agreed to go to the Dropbox <laughs> and <laughs> it was just easier to drive her in the car. Right. And like, she could just like hand it like right into like right curbside. It was great. Even in our last municipals, the turnout yeah. we had was great. No, no excuse absentee ballots. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not sure, I'm, you know. We need to find a good reason to keep that. So we Hopefully had a public a, hearing on that yes, today. Exactly. So. <laughs> I am hopeful that it stays that way because yeah. it does make a big well, I do personally like to go and, you know Yeah. Go in person myself. But yeah. like I said, sometimes I can't. It's really interesting because like you, I often so I run my own business and um I live in a part of the state where many people work in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. That's where my business is located. So I was usually on the 5.23 a.m. train. And despite efforts to get home earlier when you're building a new business sometimes, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'd get home 9 p.m. So I did always vote, and I would usually get to the poll at 5.30 so mm-hmm. I could line up to make sure I was in the top three to five people so that if I really voted quickly and ran out, I can catch the 6.09 train. Yes. Um, because you're in business, time is money, actually. And I'm a consultant, so time is literally money. Literally money, money exactly. So I wanted to be able to vote absentee all those years, but I couldn't under the law. So since the pandemic, ironically, I have voted in person (laughs) all the time, and I have not used the absentee ballot. But again, it is very nice to have the choice. Yeah, it is. is. I I have faith in our election system, and and I know that I'm sure like everybody else, on January 6th, we were all stunned. Yes. And now we're just as stunned with what happened in Ukraine, which is just the death of a democracy if we don't do anything. And that day on January 6th, I don't know about you, yeah. but I it's what it felt like. We avoided it, and we got Joe Biden. So I'm not unapologetic about liking Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> Nor should you ever be apologetic. Um, have anything, I wish the Secretary of State's office did was responsible for redistricting because I don't believe it should be in the hands of the mm-hmm. legislature at all. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I think it'll come up one day. There were um, a couple of, uh, I know one of my constituents, um, and I saw a couple of letters come in through GAE for people interested in looking at the redistricting process. So, Mm -hmm. as you know, things sometimes move slowly through the legislature. So it starts with a drip, and, you know, the more people who write in and um, inform their legislators that they'd like this to be considered, Exactly. The more likely it I is. I called to Matt happen. Ritter. 
Oh, good. So, yeah. He's a good place. So to I'm the start. chair for the Carpenters Political Committee. Okay. Political yeah. Action Members Committee. Okay. So I get so it does actually answer. One thing I didn't talk about why I want to be Secretary of State, and I think it's also why I'm slightly different, or why I got in the race. I do believe we're at an inflection point. You just referenced January 6th. We had people storming our U.S. Capitol. <laughs> trying to overturn the results of an election. That's very troubling. But simultaneously, having nothing to do with Donald Trump or anything that has happened since, we have always had apathy at the polls. You know, municipal elections, if someone typically gets 30% turnout, that's Mm -hmm. considered high. (laughs) That's very troubling. Prior to uh, Trump's election, I think even nationally, 60-something percent turnout, I think that's abysmal. And then you take one more factor, which is the lack of civic education. And um, I can't tell you how many people in a certain generation never had any civics at all. And most people who had it will say they had too little of it. So I think all of those things are creating a reality in our democracy that, you know, 10 years from now, I don't think we want to see where that goes. Mm -hmm. And I think we have spent as a country and definitely as a state putting all of our effort into voter registration and voter expanded voter access, which both are very important. But if you ignore those other pieces, I think we're doing ourselves a disservice because you can have as many people able to vote, but if they don't want to, (laughs) you can't force them. So I really think the next secretary has an opportunity to hopefully stand up something that could be replicated in other states because this isn't a Connecticut problem, but something that focuses on civic education and civic engagement, not only just for kids, but for adults as well, because Mm -hmm. guess what? They vote and their voice should be heard. I have often said we don't even know what we want as a nation because enough people don't vote to tell us. Right, exactly. And I find that just very troubling and a sign that our democracy is on the wrong path. So I do think that's a differentiator. But to answer your question more specifically, I have a eclectic background, if you will, as a small business owner as someone who has worked in or for the nonprofit sector uh, for the last 30 years, and now as a legislator, it has created a very robust background that dovetails very nicely with the role of the office. Mm -hmm. And I get excited talking about transparency and efficiency in government. Um, And my master's is in nonprofit management and sort of a sub-specialty in organizational development. These are things that I find exciting. Right. My legislative role also has taught me how to navigate Hartford, which I do think is important. It is very important. <laughs> okay, I think where you were going with the whole how to get people, we have to educate them. We do. So what we do when, we, when we're organizing yeah. the company is we, we educate them, and that gets them fired up. We educate, yeah. educate, and we organize. Yeah. And I think that education is this answer to everything. For me, it's the answer to everything. Yeah. <laughs> I totally agree. It's funny. I was at a, um, a group uh, of senior citizens yesterday, <laughs> And we were talking about this, and a lot of people always say, like, oh, you know, the older generation, they're so good, they come out and vote. 
Because they had civics. Exactly. <laughs> that was part of what they grew up learning is what they were supposed to do. Right. They had mock elections. Yeah. yeah. They learned why why we should vote, why the franchise our franchise is important. Exactly. Our franchise to vote is important. Exactly. Why it's a right of every single every we fought for the right of every single person. Exactly. To vote. And uh, and uh, yeah. you sit home, you waste it. Oh, absolutely. Well, I've been <laughs> I've been doing this funny thing. I've been driving around random towns in the state and going to coffee shops and libraries and doing pop civics quizzes. <laughs> I love your website, by the way. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Your your snippets. Oh, yes, yes, yes. It's great. Yes, thank you. Since I've been in government, my goal has been to demystify it and to make it more accessible. So just to explain to people listening or watching... The session snippets are one minute or less on all the bills you never heard of. This session snippet is about the newly created Office of Workforce Strategy. You probably already know that educators, businesses, communities, and government all need to work hand in hand to make sure we have a workforce trained to do the jobs available in Connecticut. The new legislation creates a position of chief workforce officer that will help ensure that Connecticut is preparing its residents for the future. Just because we passed, I mean, we passed about 300 bills last year and about 10 of them get the headlines um, and most of them impact our lives. So I believe in trying to educate mm -hmm. and empower people to engage in the system. I was going to say, I've been driving around quizzing people and Thank goodness they're good sports. They play, you know, sometimes they're like, why are you asking me this? But to a person, by the time I get to the second question, they're really excited and they all say at the end, I can't remember the last time anyone asked me or taught me anything about what's going on or how things work. Mm -hmm. And I think if people had access, they would be more excited about engaging. Right. And I think we could boost uh, turnout. All the uh, registrars have to be, they, they're elected and they have to be, they have yeah. to go through their yeah. courses. Some of them I know don't, you don't really follow through. I know we've had them in the past here that <laughs> uh -huh. don't actually follow through. Would you give? Would you push them a little more to go through? There? I mean, they. I mean, the state pays for everything and takes care of it. The short answer is yes. The longer answer is if they're able. Right. Um, many of them are not paid very well. No, they're not at all. Like I alluded to earlier, like they might be open one day a week or something like that. So we do have to be really careful about striking a balance between uniformity mm -hmm. and making sure they're trained in what they need to be trained in. But like, let's make it paid training or, you know, something. Right. Yeah. One of the other pillars, if you will, of my platform is that I think uh, the secretary's office is under-resourced. I think it's the role of the state to educate its electorate mm -hmm. and make sure its elections are fair, safe, all of those things. And that takes investment. There is nothing more central to our identity as a citizen than voting. But we don't treat it that way right. um, in terms of where we put our budget and our efforts. So I think if we could do something that would make it able without saddling the towns with expenses mm -hmm. that they can take on or saddling a registrar who is already doing so much work right. in so little time and for so little money, 
if we can find a way to make that all happen, absolutely. I think we do have to share best practices. Times are changing. You know, misinformation is a major issue. Cybersecurity is a major mm -hmm. issue. So just making sure each individual registrar, town clerk, etc., has best practices and uh, knows how to get help if they need it. Right. So here's the next one, which I have mixed feelings about. I like the idea, and that's ranked choice voting. Let's see. What do you think? It's a hot it? topic. I think okay. ranked choice voting is great, and I feel safe saying because I've been on record many times. I just don't think we um, have the capacity to really consider it or take it on right. right this second in Connecticut. We have some unique challenges because of the 169 towns. <laughs> you know, we'd need all new equipment. We'd have to train everybody. So mm -hmm. for all the reasons I just spoke about, yeah, exactly. you know, that's difficult. Um, but on top of that, we're at this point again, where I think distrust runs high. And I can't imagine selling to the public right now a system where we have to transport ballots. Right. It just doesn't feel like the environment is willing to take that on without so much education. Oh, I'd rather see what I'm talking about first happen. Oh, yeah. Like, let's educate people about how the system works, why it's safe, etc. And then we change we, the rules. Yeah, and then we can get there. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Oh, it, it does work in Maine, but they, I don't think they can't do it for federal offices because it's not legal. That's correct. And I think I um, either I emailed or called Maine um, last year when this came up because of my work on the GAE committee and you know they had some challenges in the beginning um, and they were also concerned about transporting ballots and now it's working but you know anything new has glitches I would love to learn from some other states first <laughs> when it comes to this yeah well in Connecticut that's what we like to do let everybody else work their bugs out and then we can make it really good and if we, if we were at a – I think we may now be the only state or one of two that has neither early voting nor no excuse absentee voting. If we can't even we get can't, that done. Right. I don't know if our electorate is ready. But I have told many of the proponents – Keep educating people because that's how we get ready. That's right. And that's how we got lots of good things through like uh, paid family leave. To you have to educate people. Yep. Exactly. We People have finally understood what it was and there you go. And I think it's always better to start with the people than to start with the legislature because then it feels like, guess what? We are now dictating something right. that no one wants. I think you're the first person who said, let's educate the people. To me. I may have been the first person to say it in the race. We, your snippets are like the best. I, I did them after session ended and I was going to stop at the end of the year, but so many people have oh, stopped no, no. me to say they love them that now I feel uh, like it's you, a thing. I, I challenge anyone to go to any other state legislator, legislator's website and see if they do anything like that. I, I'm not a politician. Right. right. I'm someone who worked in the nonprofit sector, a business owner. Um, I believe that people power our government and we have to empower them <laughs> to exercise that right. And the best way to build trust and to build engagement is through education. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. hands down. Contracts and you going. did citizen election program, I, right? I, I, yes. I'm so could you have done it without it as easily? No, definitely not a statewide role. Right. I don't even think I would have tried. To me, there's something very disingenuous 
about campaigning and fundraising at the same time. And it's hard to avoid that conflict to me. Um, And so I'm grateful to have it so that when you raise the money, every conversation you have is, I think, genuine. It's hard to escape that team. Connecticut has such a unique system and it's such a, so so sad that, that um, it has come so close in our legislature to being defunded. Um, oh, I know. Because yeah. there, people like me could not run for the legislature. But many of the many of our great legislators that sit there now or have yeah. in the past couldn't have run. No, it's definitely an equalizer. It's an equalizer both in terms of fact, but also perception. So there are people who, even if they might have been able to raise the money, might not know that. Right. Right. Going in. <laughs> And you tend to have doubt. And, um, you know, I happen to be a fundraiser in the nonprofit sector. So I understand like, oh, I could scale and get a bunch of $10 donors. But I don't know that that's second nature. And, you know, we've been taught it's about money. Just not having it is a chilling effect on um, who might even consider running. Right. Exactly. In my opinion. I mean, like I said, there's a lot. Many people I know could never raise the money to win. I mean, there are some states where... In order to get a in order to get a state rep seat, they have to raise that like half a million dollars. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Whereas we're on a nice level, even playing field. And even so, there's still so many barriers. It's it's, it's unfortunate. I mean, that's part of the reason I got involved. I was a delegate in 2018, and just sitting there looking around, it just struck me. I'm like, these are the people who get to decide everything. And I thought, who can be in this room? I'm fortunate because I control my own schedule. Right. (laughs) And I can tell my boss, me, (laughs) that I'm not going to be in today. (laughs) But, I mean, just that alone, how many people can do that? Not many. Not many. For instance, in Wallingford, we have 20 delegates. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 100 people choose 20 delegates. Yeah. Out of a town of 40,000. We have more Democrats than Republicans, and 100 people choose 20 delegates. Good luck. Um asking anyone on the street if they know how to become a delegate or what a delegate is (laughs) and again like in norwalk people are so sick of me because i'm always like we must just demystify the process like even before i oh yeah i got involved personally when i first joined my dtc i'm like can we do like sessions a few times a year like just educating people like how do they you know how much research I had to do to find out what a DTC was well, too. I know. and how to get I, yeah. on it? <laughs> yeah. It, it I had tough. no idea. I didn't even it know they tough. existed, in all honesty, until my, my wife told me. About oh, no. it. I'm from New Jersey, so we don't have DTCs, and New York doesn't have DTCs. So when I got here... What did they do? It was... I was like, what is this thing? Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Oh, county governments. Is that why? Yeah. Yeah. Committees. Yeah. County committees. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. I mean, everyone has elected people, right. but um, I didn't understand that every single town had 169. Second, <laughs> you know, I knew about our like common council or board of selectmen, but then I thought, what's this other adjacent thing? Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so that's... we have a few minutes left. Okay. You want to. You got something you really want to put out? That's a lot of pressure, Bruce. I think the only other things I didn't talk about, and I'll say it here because on the campaign trail, you know, I think people get shiny object syndrome and everything is about sound bites and making it sound sexy. But this job is actually not sexy at all. (laughs) It's a lot about data and lawyers answering questions and behind-the-scenes management of information. Right. And I think 
you know, we always focus on what comes next, but I think actually right now where we are in history, culture, the pandemic, the next secretary has a lot to take on over the next four years, implementing things that we've already passed. Right. Automatic voter registration comes to mind. We need to sit down with all of these state agencies that we have now enabled to do automatic voter registration, right. but they're not ready to do it yet. And there's work to be done there. We've just gotten a report back about risk limiting audits um, and some work we need to do there in the coming years. That needs to be looked at, implemented. Early voting, we already spoke about misinformation. The current secretary has requested an appropriation to hire someone just to deal with that because it's so prevalent mm -hmm. in cybersecurity. These are all big issues in and of themselves. So I would just like to say we have to remember both sides of the job. Yes, right. the visionary side, but there's also the implementation side. And better to do a few things really well than a lot of things, right. I mean, horribly. Because I just spent a half an hour asking you questions about only one part of the secretary's <laughs> job. I didn't even go into small business yeah. registrations and every other thing yeah. that, that, yeah. that's on your plate yeah. once you become secretary of state. Absolutely. See, I like it. That's, that's the way to go. Positive thinking is that's the it. way to move through the world. That is it. That is it exactly. And even if you don't, I hope you just, just stick around because you, Absolutely. Seem, you seem like you got enough energy and the right I, ideas. I do. Thank you. I think that's it. I'm Bruce Conroy. Thanks for coming to Community Conversations. And this is Stephanie Thomas, and she is going to be the Secretary of State. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. Thanks to our local producers and Team Hercules for production support. As told here, conversations and stories shared in the public interest in Studio W at WPAA-TV and Community Media Center. As Told Here brings community media to where you are. 